Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strevel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. This is by George L. Murray. It is to the word Peruso that we wish to give our attention in this chapter. We believe that properly understood the Peruso coming and the apocalypse revelation shall be seen as a simultaneous event. Nothing in the word of God proves that there will be seven years between the Peruso and the apocalypse. Let us look at the New Testament passages in which this word Peruso appears. In 1 Corinthians 15:23, we read the words, Christ, the first fruits, afterward they that are his, they that are Christ at his Peruso are coming. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 2, 19, we read the words, For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his Peruso coming? The same translation is made in 1 Thessalonians 3.13, 1 Thessalonians 4.15, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, 2 Thessalonians 2.1. And then here's his summation. If the word peruso does not actually mean coming, then the translators of the Bible up to this day have been guilty of a serious overstatement and disservice. If it does not mean coming, how can it be interpreted to mean coming part of the way? Now, what I want to point out, while, he, while uh, Mr. Murray here is criticizing the dispensationalist for only believing that Peruso means coming part of the way, this same word that he uses, gives in, in these scriptural references is the same word that's given in Matthew 24, 27. And why did he leave it out? Why didn't Mr. Murray quote Matthew 24, uh, uh, 27 in that passage to cite the coming of Christ? For listen, the word coming in Matthew 24, 27 is Peruso, the same word. Let's read it. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. You know what Mr. Murray says this coming means? He says it is an invisible coming. Invisible. Now look, Jesus said, for as lightning cometh, he's coming. All right, now the Bible tells that, uh, goes on and tells about these, the appearance of Christ, the outshining, the brightness. See? And Mr. Murray, this same man, says this same word, uh, when he comes to interpret Matthew 24, means that Christ comes invisible, that he, that he's already come, that he came in the destruction of Jerusalem, and nobody saw him, but he was there. 
He says all of this was fulfilled in uh, in 70 A.D. Now then, what, what I want you to see is how men handle a word to their own advantage. See? Uh, now, perusa simply means coming. It means arrival. He's he's coming, all right. Uh, it, uh, so, the word apocalypse that he uses there in this uh, in this paragraph uh, means revelation. And of course, the dispensationalist says that Jesus must come for his saints before he can come with his saints. In Revelation twenty, uh, Christ is coming with his saints. Revelation 19 and 20, he comes with his saints. But in First uh, uh, Thessalonians 4, he comes for his saints. And Dr. Ironside, Dr. Gabeline, Dr. Uh, Brooks, all of them say that, he, well, you've got to come for him before he can come with them. Now then, these men that know the Bible, and know it from Greek and from English. Look at First Thessalonians again now. Just remember their argument there. Just remember what they say, that they must come for his saints before they can come with the saints. And they say that First Thessalonians 4 is where he comes for his saints. Well, what does First Thessalonians 4 say? Listen. Uh, <clears throat> for if we believe, verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now you see? But yes, there's a coming when he's coming for them. Not coming with them. But you see, the only ones that's coming with him here are the spirits of the just dead. See? When he comes, the dead in Christ arise. Alright? Now, this passage doesn't tell us that the spirit and the body is joined together. It doesn't, in, in, in plain English, it doesn't say that. It says that he's coming with his saints. See? Alright, now, if with his saints, I mean, with his, uh, uh, if it means they're spirits of the just, and that when the bodies are resurrected, that the spirit will re-enter the body. And that's possible and that's plausible because that will take place. Now then, it may be that the word saints here refers to holy ones, the angel, angelic beings, and doesn't even refer to the children of God. But uh, most people interpret it uh, as being the spirits of the just dead, see? Otherwise, you're going to have the bodies uh, caught up, forever be with Christ. Well, what about the spirit? You just have a body. Well, that that won't happen, see. But uh, the the uh, passage, in so many words, does not say that, and I don't teach that from that passage. But I I say it's uh, very plausible. Well, if it is then it negates their argument that he must come, that First Thessalonians 4 is a coming for his saints. But instead, it's a coming for the living, 
coming with the spirits of the just dead in order that their bodies would be reunited. All right. Now, uh, all right, now let's uh, look at Revelation 20. Now, we're talking about, now, so far, in all of these passages now, that we've discussed, there has not been a difference, a distinction made as to time when the uh, where it refers to the righteous and the wicked, the just and the unjust. We've got the statement made that uh, the just and the unjust will be raised. Uh, Daniel 12, 2 says, uh, uh, they, uh, two, two groups rising, some to everlasting life, some to everlasting contempt. But it didn't tell you that there was any time element involved. It didn't tell you that it rose at the same time. It didn't tell you that there was time between it. Neither does John 5, 28 and 29. It says you that both classes are going to rise. And Paul refers to the resurrection of the just. Well, uh, if uh, why did he? Uh, why uh, are the passages in the Bible that add make uh, make these additional statements? For instance, in First Thessalonians four, for the dead in Christ shall rise first. Why didn't say for the dead in Christ shall rise? And, next word, and, and then we which are alive shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Now, <clears throat> the, the word first indicates preference, but in 1 Thessalonians 4, it's, the word first simply means that the dead in Christ are going to rise before the living are going to be caught up. See, for we which are alive will not precede them which are asleep. That's all it means. The dead, the wicked dead, nothing said about them there. Okay. Now we've got uh, here uh, in uh, this passage in First First Corinthians fifteen twenty three, I say places a time element between the resurrection. Now look at verse uh, uh, Revelation 20. Uh, well, let's read all of verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. What's the first resurrection? The resurrection of the they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. 
Who are the they? The they are the innumerable number that's sitting upon the throne. He says they live. They came to life. They came to life. Now the souls came. Uh, now he says I saw souls. You know the amillennialist ridicules uh, the dispensationalists and the premillennialists for uh, uh, believing that uh, a soul could be set upon the throne. You see, their objection to this passage is when it says, and I saw souls. Well, now this book says the souls came to life. Well, do you mean to tell me that the spirit dies? Are you going to be a Jehovah's Witness? Are you going to be a Seventh-day Adventist? Are you going to be an Armstrongite here? Does, this, uh, it, it, does that what the Amalekites want to be? That's what he's saying. When he ridicules the expression, the souls came to life. Now, the soul never died. The spirit departed into thy hands, I commend my spirit. Jesus said uh, to the thief on the cross, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Well, now, his body wasn't. His body was no doubt burned out there on the, in the garbage dump south of, uh, of Jerusalem. But he says, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Now Jesus and the thief went to paradise. Jesus went to the heart of the earth. He didn't go there in his body. His body was still on the cross. Now that... Uh, so the souls that came to life is something that had been dead. Something had to die. The only thing about that soul was the body. So what he's doing, he's, he's putting the word soul to represent the whole man. Boy, of course, you're not old enough to know something about the old, old man and hollow log theory, are you? The, uh, among primitive Baptists. The whole man doctrine, the uh, hollow log doctrine. Well, now, uh, redemption, salvation. Uh, is this, uh, is this, uh, includes the salvation of the body and the spirit altogether, the whole man. See? But the body is not going to be, uh, redeemed, or that is, it's not going to be uh, made, uh, like unto the body of Christ until the resurrection. They live. The bodies, he sees the bodies of all of the righteous dead. They lived again. Because that's the only thing to die, see? The body. And they sat upon thrones. Then he says, I saw the, uh, the souls of those that were martyred, that were beheaded for the witness, the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, that wouldn't fall down and worship the beast or his image. They lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Both groups, the they includes all the dead prior to this time. And that'll include them all. For this is the coming where Christ comes back to the earth. See? Now everybody knows uh, uh, the dispensation that believes that he's coming here. See, they admit that he's coming here, but they admit that this coming is his coming uh, with his saints. 
This is their coming when he comes in Matthew 24. They believe that Matthew 24 talks about this coming. See? But this coming is seven years after his coming in from 1 Thessalonians 4. Alright? To them, this resurrection here, the people, the souls that uh, come to life, the bodies that come to life, that live, that sit upon these thrones, to the dispensationalists, it only includes the martyred saints of the tribulation period. See, because at the beginning of the tribulation, everybody that was a child of God was called away secretly, went back to heaven. This time now, he's coming, but while he's while the, uh, as they call it, the church is in heaven, the marriage of the Lamb takes place, see, and the uh, judgment seat uh, of Christ takes place, uh, the judgment of the righteous dead for their works takes place in heaven. All right, then, uh, so, but on earth, there's people martyred because they wouldn't uh, worship this beast, and they're killed, many others, and they die naturally, normally. All right, now all of those, uh, they are the only ones, according to dispensationalists, it comes to life here in Revelation 20. All right, what does the Amalelis do? If you think that's absurd, uh, look at what the Amalelis says. This same man right here. He says that this soul that came to life is the soul that came to life when he accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and gave him his heart and surrendered to him. That uh, his soul, that he was raised from death in trespasses and sins. And this is what that coming to life means. It means, and he quotes uh, uh, John 5, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear his voice. And that's what both primitive Baptists believe about this too. That uh, they say that this is a that this first resurrection represents a, a coming, uh, being translated by the power of God from the uh, from darkness to the kingdom of God's dear Son. Okay. But uh, but uh, both of them's foolish. Now notice. Look at the uh, look at verse five. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. Now, here's the, uh, referring to the resurrection of the wicked. Now, this is the only time that we've got any statement that, uh, that separated uh, the resurrection. Now, we've got a period of time, a thousand years placed between this. Now, whether that thousand years uh, be like the Amalina says, maybe one minute. Or it may be 2,000 years, and to most of them it's been 2,000 years because uh, uh, they believe that uh, actually it started with the crucifixion of Christ. It made the millennium, the reign, possible, see. Now then it says, uh, verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now that's the first resurrection. The group in the first resurrection will reign with Christ a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, and so on. All right. 
Now, look over at verse 13. I just want to... Uh, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they which were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, in that resurrection you have no, uh, there's no children of God. That's the wicked second resurrection. Where do they go? Into the lake of fire. Which is what? The second death. Now why call it the second death? Back in the beginning of the, now that's after the thousand years, that judgment, see? Alright, at the beginning of this thousand years, when the Lord Jesus comes back to the earth, the two beasts of Revelation 13 are cast into the lake of fire. After the thousand years, Satan is cast into the lake of fire with the two beasts. And uh, now you notice, but the, the two beasts, the two, those two men were there before, a thousand years before Satan was cast into the lake of fire. Now then, after that thousand years, you have the resurrection of the dead, and then they're cast in the lake of fire and called the second death. Why? Because here's, here's some first fruits of the second death. The beast and Satan. Just like Christ is the first fruits of the first resurrection. See? Uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, and they, uh, and, uh, uh, first, uh, Christ the first fruits, then after that, they that are Christ at his coming. That's when he comes right here in the 19th chapter. The rest of them are raised then. After that, after he comes, after the dead, after that, uh, Paul says that he give, turns over the kingdom, giveth up his kingdom to the Father. See? Why? Because he will have put down all rule, all powers, for he must reign till he does that, see? And the last enemy, the last enemy which is death, then uh, he, uh, he turns over the kingdom to the Father. Here, we've got him coming. Yeah, and then you've got the statement saying that they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Uh, Daniel says uh, in the seventh chapter that the saints, the time came, he says, I saw until one uh, possessed the kingdom. See? And then he, he sees and says that the uh, saints possessed the kingdom. The time came when they possess the key. You've got the same statement that's made in Daniel that's made here. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.